welcome to One More Thing Before You Go. In this episode, we're going to go on a journey of healing our minds, our bodies, and our souls with alternative medicine. We're going to learn how naturopathic medicine combines the wisdom of nature with the rigors of modern science and how this approach can benefit your health management. I'm your host, Michael Hurst, and this is That Thing About Healing Naturally. Naturopathic medical doctors, NMDs, are trained as primary care providers who diagnose, treat, and manage patients with acute and chronic conditions while addressing disease and dysfunction at the level of mind, body, and spirit. My guest today is Dr. Faith Coates. She's a naturopathic medical doctor based here in Arizona. Her focus is on promoting optimal health, anti-aging, weight loss, and more. Her clinics offer a concierge medical option for to ensure everyone has an opportunity to be treated. Welcome to the show, Dr. Coates. Thanks for having me. Have you always wanted to be a doctor? Yes, actually. Uh, I have a funny story about that one. I was about 10 years old. My mom went to go get her eyes checked and she's like, you should become a doctor because everybody's going to always need a doctor. You know, your, your eyes wear out, your organs wear out. You're just always going to have a job. You should do that. And that sentence literally sparked an idea in me that maybe I do want to be a part of healthcare because I've always wanted to help people get better or give people really great advice or just kind of be a part of their healing journey. And so um, since then, she enrolled me super early into uh, community college so I can start taking other courses so I can start that path. At first, I wanted to be an eye surgeon. I thought that was like the coolest thing because I loved the way that people's eyes colors were so different. They changed color. I was just so fascinated by that. But as I got older, obviously, that path changed. (laughs) And then uh, I looked into surgery. That really wasn't for me. I found out about um, Dr. of Osteopathic Medicine. And I was like, oh, cool, a little bit of a different approach. Um, But they ended up kind of just doing the same allopathic medicine. And my mom grew up, uh, had us all in a very holistic style. I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of the word because it, it can, tends to have a little bit of a, a lesser meaning than just doing things less invasively. But she she grew us up in a way of like non-invasive, less chemicals, you know, more natural way of, of growing up. And I wasn't sick as often as my friends. So yeah, pretty much work long and short of it. <laughs> well, it, it. That brings us to a, a good question, actually, because people ask me the same thing, because I, I I actually practice a naturopathic approach to my health in managing it. And some of my listeners already know that. But what is the difference between naturopathic medicine and holistic medicine? Or is there a combination of both? Or are they one and the same? That's a really quick question. I think that there holistic medicine is a term for looking at a whole picture. So looking at the body as a whole instead of of its individual parts. Unfortunately, in medicine right now, because we have so many specialists, because we don't really have a good streamline effect for both our GPs and our specialists, patients get parts out. You know, you go to a cardiologist, endocrinologist, you go to a gynecologist, you go to all these specialists, a GP or a general practitioner is supposed to bring everybody together. They're supposed to be able to manage your cardiologist information and your, your guidance information and, and make you a whole picture and give you a plan and say, this is your plan. This is what we're going to do to, to bring everything, all of your concerns together and treat them in one way. If a cardiologist is doing something that they don't agree with for their patients, they can kind of guide the patient to uh, being able to find a different one to kind of bring them all together. Unfortunately, in the medical system now, 
there's just not enough time. There's too many patients and there's not enough doctors. Doctors are burnt out. They have way too much patient load. Insurance companies don't pay enough doctors to be able to actually maintain their lifestyle. So they have to keep adding to their patient load. So you get less than 10 minutes with a doctor. You get most of the time with an MA or a nurse practitioner or an RN, but you don't get any time with the actual physician to really get your questions answered. So a lot of times patients get swept under the rug. So unfortunately, that holistic approach of the whole entire patient being seen and being able to come together gets kind of um, parsed out for, okay, next time, okay, next time. Because you can't really talk to anybody about anything for about 10 minutes. They're not going to be able to know what your medication needs to change to, what your specialist says, interpret labs. So they don't interpret labs. They just give you the labs or they don't give you the labs and they tell you like they're okay. But that's not the way that patients should be treated. They need to be taught. So a big difference between the the holistic versus naturopathic medicine versus allopathic medicine is just the approach to the medicine that you're trying to address all areas of concern rather than just piecing people out or you know giving them enough time to be able to address those kind of things. So you you were a believer in mind body soul. Of course, yeah. What do you think controls our hormones and like everything else that goes in our body? We have this neuroplasticity where we can quite literally change the way that we think and our body changes the way that it functions due to the fact that we have our mind controls the way that our cells work. If you give your your body this negative aspect of like you only have so many months to live, say your physician tells you that because you have cancer, your your mind actually believes that and your cells start deteriorating a lot faster than if your doctor said, we're going to beat this. You know, these are your statistics, but you are not a statistic. You are somebody who's going to actually heal from your ailment or, you know, we have all these treatments. We're going to do the best that we can. We're going to take care of you. Those people actually survive much higher than actually having somebody who is, is basically negative about their health. That placebo effect is really, really strong. Yeah, it's interesting. From my own personal journey, we discussed it before. I was diagnosed by five different doctors. I've been in a wheelchair for the rest of my life. And um, I was for four years. And then I made a conscious choice to not be that way and changed my life. And I'm no longer in a wheelchair. I'm walking two, three miles a day. My wheelchair sits in the garage as a reminder. <laughs> like, you know, it's, I believe that, that, um, I believe that mind, body, soul are something that has to work together. And I appreciate the fact that of the naturopathic holistic approach. So let's talk about your journey to becoming an NMD. What, what, how does somebody become an NMD? It's very similar to an allopathic doctor. Um, the, the biggest difference really is that you have to kind of be a different thinking person. A lot of people get into medicine under a false pretense that you're going to you know, be able to help all your patients and they're all going to get better and, and you're going to have fame and you're going to have money and, and you're not going to get burned out because of TV or whatever that kind of comes along with it. Um, I wanted to be an allopathic doctor. I, like I said, I wanted to go into surgery for a really long time. And then I wanted to be a DO because I knew they wanted to be a little bit different. I didn't know until I actually was an, a scribe in the ER. Uh, for a couple of years after I graduated undergrad before applying for med school, I took a gap year. And when I did that, there were MDs and DOs that actually did the same thing. And so I was like, why would you like, I don't understand why that they would go through a DO where they're not, you know, they're still fighting on legitimacy, just like we are in terms of being a real doctor. Um, why would you do that if you're not going to actually use the skill set? 
And unfortunately, when I was an undergrad, I gained a lot of weight. I gained over 100 pounds. I was in an unhealthy relationship. I had an unhealthy relationship with food. I had a traumatic you know, abuse past. And I kind of used food as comfort. And then when I found, um, you know, I, it's not that I didn't try different types of diet and nutrition programs and everything, but I found um, HCG, human chorionic gonadotropin, which is a type of diet plan. And it kind of introduced me into the entire naturopathic world because it's utilizing a certain kind of hormone, a low calorie diet um, that was very clean. And I was able to lose all my weight on it. And I was introduced to something that was completely different. So when I was applying for med schools, I was I was applying, I was going to the interviews, I was you know, flying out and going to different parts of the country, just like an, a, medical, a pre-medical student does. And I wasn't getting into the programs that I wanted to. They weren't aligning with my personal perspective on what I wanted to be as a physician. When I was working in the ER, I saw how burnt out the doctors were. They were just so unhappy. <laughs> so I was just like, this isn't what I want to do. And I started looking into other types of forms of healthcare. Maybe I don't want to be a doctor. Maybe I just want to be in something else. And I started, I actually stumbled upon naturopathic medicine on the side of a Google search bar. And I was just like, what is naturopathic medicine? Because <laughs> I didn't know either. And uh, unfortunately, it's got a pretty bad rap on the internet, and it's pretty misinformed on what the actual medicine is, which is why the doctors have to be so vigilant on being able to educate people. But um, it aligned more with what I wanted to do in life than the allopathic and, and osteopathic worlds. So, um, yeah. And that's basically, where we're here. We want yeah. to help educate people as to <laughs> what exactly is naturopathic medicine and the legitimacy of it. Yes. So to answer your question, how to get into naturopathic medical school, uh, it's very similar. In the, you have to do four years of an undergrad program, usually a bachelor's in science, but although there could be a lot of other degrees that you could particularly have, but you must actually do your prerequisites, which is like a specific types of science classes, physics, mathematics, uh, biology, um, physiology, that kind of thing that's similar to the allopathic world. Uh, the difference is that we don't take an MCAT for the naturopathic community uh, just because it doesn't really align with the, the type of medicine that you are getting taught. I did take the MCAT personally a couple of times because I was going already in that path anyway. And to be quite frank, it doesn't make any sense. The MCAT doesn't really align at all with what you're going to be taught in medical school. So it, it doesn't, it's just really stressful and hard. <laughs> and it, it like. Can you help us understand what that is exactly? Yes. Yeah, so the MCAT is the, the test you have to take before applying for med schools. Um, I think it's the medical aptitude test is the, or a medical college aptitude test. I'm, I'm not exactly sure the exact phrase, but it's a prerequisite test that you have to take to get into medical school. I took it in 2008. So it's been a while <laughs> and they've completely changed it around. Um, but it's a very intensive uh, test that you, it takes about four hours to complete. You have certain sections. They've completely changed it from when I took it. So now it's a completely different format, but it's basically testing your biological sciences, your physical sciences, your verbal reasoning, writing, uh, and then possibly another section that they added. Um, but it's a case-based format or a standalone question kind of thing. And it determines, your score determines whether the schools would want to accept you or whether you're going to be a good a good candidate for medical school. Excellent. Well, thank you. Because I, I mean, I, I'm familiar with the term. I just want to make sure everybody understands what that is. It's kind of like an SAT, but for medical. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, or the NCLUX, I think, is what the, um, the nursing. 
So I think, did you get, did you get your, did you go through the Southwestern College of Medicine down here? Yeah, in Tempe. Yeah. And there's like four, if I, re, if I remember right, there's like 14 or so um, uh, schools for medical schools for naturopathic medicine. Does that still stand? I think it's down to, because one did close in Connecticut. Um, I think the legitimate schools that are actually naturopathic medical schools, because there's a lot of naturopathic natural schools, which is really frustrating because it's not the same. Uh, there's like shorter classes. They're like traditional naturopaths, uh, but they don't get medical training. They just get the basics in nutritional therapies, functional medicine, that kind of stuff. They don't have license to practice. Um, but I think there are five or six actual naturopathic medical schools that are, that actually have the the licensing that you need to, in order Licensed to be a licensed. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. When I first moved to Arizona, I um, explored an option when I was changing my direction in life to go to Southwestern. And I chose a different path. I think the science and the biology and the Physics all kind of said, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. And and the, the big difference between naturopathic medical school and allopathic medical school is um, when you start the program, you are actually doing, you're very similar for the first two years and that the first year you focus on that, basically how everything works, anatomy, physiology, biochemistry, um, all of the microbiology, the uh so many different other kind of clinical studies too, to make sure that you know how to do like general blood pressure, vitals, that kind of stuff. And then you start learning all your physical exams for uh, actually doing the diagnosis portion of it. The second year is kind of similar as well, in which that you learn how everything breaks. So that's where all of your pathology comes in. So you start breaking it down, you know, the cardiology, the um, endocrinology, so on and so forth. And so the big difference, though, is that we get taught traditional Chinese medicine at SCNM, Southwest College, and we also get taught um, hydrotherapy, botanical medicine, and it just starts kind of growing outside of the pharmacology. So we get all of that training. Uh, But we just, it's like, I don't know how people are burnt out with traditional medical school, because I'm just like, I learned like nine different other therapies (laughs) in the end of it. Uh, Like, what are you guys doing? (laughs) You know, it's interesting because the when you consider what's out there, um, you consider today's health environment in in the. I mean, you go to a doctor now, like you said earlier, and you the majority of your time in there, you're waiting in the waiting room, and and that's just realistic. It's just it is not a. I don't think anybody intended it to be that way, but you spend the majority of your time waiting in the in the waiting area, and then that short little time period that you get to see somebody every time in my own experience and some of my family's experiences, they have a, a script pad sitting right next to them. And, and, and I'm not mentioning any doctor's names or anything. So <laughs> no, I, I in general, badly about exactly about doctors. In general. You know, they, they do the best that they can and they, they, get, can. they do, they do the best that they can with the tools that they were given. Exactly. And the tools they're given is, is, drugs and surgeries. And so I can't blame them for wanting to not to use that. It's just that we were given a lot more tools. So we try to use those first. Yeah, that's where I was going, actually. Um, The fact that as a naturopathic medical doctor, you look at the person as a whole. So you, a naturopathic medical doctor, you look at the person as a person, as an individual, not necessarily as a series of clients, I guess. Another number. 
Another number. Thank you. Another patient, you know. Yeah, I'm educated. I I can't think that I can't think of that little little word called another number. No, no, you're totally fine. I, I know that trying to find the specific terminology you're you're talking about. Well, it, I mean, it's interesting because again, the I think that I like that approach because you look at mind, body, soul. You take the person individually because not everybody's the same. One person who has rheumatoid arthritis may be maybe having different symptoms or effects than somebody else that's having rheumatoid arthritis. Each person is different in mm-hmm. in how they what happens, how it affects them, in in what they're going through in their journey with that health problem. And I think it needs to be addressed individually, not not looking in a book and saying, well, this is what we typically do with it. Like we were discussing earlier with yeah. rheumatoid, the first thing they do is say, well, you have rheumatoid arthritis, so we're going to give you this drug, and then we're going to prescribe prednisone, and then we're going to prescribe this biologic, and then mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. And it's like, okay, well, what else can you do for me? Well, you know, when I first started my journey in this, I started um, exploring options for diet with helping me with my rheumatoid arthritis. When I went to my rheumatologist at the time, he said, well, there's no scientific proof that diet has any effect on rheumatoid arthritis. If I'd have stayed in that mindset, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. Yeah. And I don't mean to roll my eyes. I just hear it all the time. And I, I think it's just a lack of understanding because their idea of there's no evidence is because their narrow view of what they were taught about nutritional science. Uh, naturopathic medical doctors spend a lot of time in biochemistry. And the reason is, is because that's how your cells function. That's how things interact. That's how vitamins and minerals work. And people think that vitamins and minerals are, are kind of, quote unquote, weak sauce when it comes to <laughs> being able to, fe- to fight these big, big inflammatory conditions, just like rheumatoid arthritis. But here's the thing. If your cells are functioning off of biochemistry. If you have to make certain connections with your food that you eat and the vitamins that you take and even the medications that you take, why would just medications give you the evidence base that you need to when things like herbs and supplements, those were the the actual structures that the synthetics that they're giving you was based off of. So instead of going and reaching for a medication that you that was biologically man-made, or I should say man-made and not biological, then why wouldn't giving you the nutritional supplements that you are missing when this medication takes it out of your body because it does deplete you, or an herb that did the same thing as the drug but with less side effects, why would that not be an, an evidence-based approach to a, to the problem? That's interesting. And and I think that helps everybody understand a little bit more that um, a naturopathic approach is, is um, just what it says. It's more of a natural way of healing the body, right? Yeah, it's more of a let's find the problem and let's cure the problem. Our approach, our, our, our like slogan for naturopathic medicine is, is find and treat the cause. It's not about, oh, if I came into you, for instance, I'm going to give you an example. I came into you uh, as a patient and I have anxiety. Anxiety is a very nonspecific symptom. It's not something that is like, okay, well, you have anxiety. Therefore, like, for instance, um, you have RA. We know you have antibodies against your joints. Like that's, We know the problem. When it comes to anxiety, there's so many things that can happen. But my approach to anxiety and, say, a a conventional medical doctor's approach is that um, the conventional medical doctor's approach would be to give you Xanax or give you some kind of anti-anxiety medication when you have those attacks. 
But my approach is to find out why you're having anxiety. Let's look at your hormones. Let's look at your neurotransmitters. Let's look at your nutrition. Let's see if it's more of a mind-body counseling thing that we need to, to, to find a referral for so we can get that done. I work with a lot of the hormones. And to be honest, a lot of it has to do with imbalances that people acquire over time, or maybe they're going into menopause or andropause, or maybe they have they have a lot, they drink out a lot of plastics and that leaches into their, their system and it causes them to have neurotransmitter issues and agitation or um, all like so many products <laughs> in our life has so many different types of chemicals that disrupt our hormones. All of those can be related to anxiety. So my approach is let's do some testing and find out what the problem is first. And then, which is completely different, I do have treatments that I could give you something to kind of soothe your anxiety that's that's either herbal-based or a nutritional-based to kind of give you some amino acids that kind of calm you down. That's not going to fix the problem. That is now just doing what they call green allopathy, which is just using nutritional supplements instead of using Xanax to just mask the symptoms. But we need to do both. We need to help you with what you're dealing with, and we need to find out what you're dealing with so we can fix it. So that's kind of the naturopathic approach. And you spend you spend more time with an individual that comes in to see you instead of just a 15-minute um, or 10-minute consultation with somebody in the office. They actually come in and see you as a doctor. Yes. I have a virtual practice right now. Um, I kind of transitioned from the brick and mortar to a virtual practice. We spend an entire hour with our patients. So we ask all the questions because nothing's, like I said, a holistic approach is talking to a person for their whole body. So I'm going to ask you about your bowel habits. I'm going to ask you about your lifestyle, your nutrition. Do you sleep? Do you drink enough water? You know, and as well as like really digging into the specific symptoms of whatever you're dealing with. I'm going to ask you questions that you don't think that you would, that wouldn't be something that would be connected, but everything is connected. And it's about finding that one little piece, because if I get you sleeping better, your body will start resting and relaxing. You'll have less pain in the morning. If we can get that anxiety under control, then you can feel like you have more ambition and drive. If we can get you less fatigued in the morning, you can get through your day and not feel like you want to take a nap in the middle of the day. You can really mentally focus on it. So these little tiny changes can really make a huge difference in not only autoimmune conditions and chronic conditions, which is a lot of things that I see, but also the acute or preventative medicine, which is something that we're also really known for. So you build a, a naturopathic doctor, and you in particular, you build a patient-doctor relationship. Absolutely, yeah. That's, it, that's what not, I am with my patients. <laughs> exactly. It's not just a, I have this doctor, it is a patient-doctor relationship. So you understand the person as a person and a whole. Yeah. I think a lot of patients uh, kind of approach naturopathic doctors differently, too, because they say, like, my doctor did this, my doctor did that, but they always say, my naturopath. My naturopathic doctor did this. And and they, they say it in kind of a, a little more of a warmth tone because they feel more taken care of, because they feel listened to. Because when something happens with one doctor, they can ask the next doctor, hey, what's your opinion about this? And it's a lot of education. I do a lot of education with my patients because it takes me five minutes to explain to your condition to you. Whereas a doctor says, you have this, take this pill. I can say, you have this condition most likely has to do with this. This is the mechanism of action. And this is what we're going to be doing about it so that we don't have to deal with these in the future. And I think people just love that approach in general. They just need to know it's a thing <laughs> that they can. And, and that's kind of a little bit of, uh, is that, and we'll talk about this in a little while, but that's kind of, is that more of the concierge approach to the person? I think that concierge medicine is such a cool idea. And I think that it's, it's much needed. Um, 
concierge just refers to the fact that it's tailored, or it could be that they come out to you wherever you're particularly at, depending on the practice and the physician. Um, I think that's kind of what medicine was supposed to be, to be quite frank. This is how it started. A doctor would come to your house. He would look at your symptoms. He would say, I think this is what's going on, and I'm going to do this treatment plan. That's what it was. Um, the way that medicine has now been parsed out now, it all has to do with algorithms. You literally have this symptom, you do this thing, you prescribe this medication, you get this imaging, and that gives you the, the treatment method for it. Um, and naturopathic medicine doesn't really have protocols because everybody is so incredibly different. If you're suffering from something that's an immediate acute thing, we are trained in emergency medicine. So we know how to recognize things and tell you when to go to the right place. Or if it's out of my scope, I will refer you to the correct one or a different naturopathic doctor who does those specialty things. But the point is, is that algorithms is, is great for hospitals, but not for private practice and not for general practitioners. People should be looked at as individuals and as somebody who needs to have an individualized treatment plan and not uh, we standardize this medication because you have this you have this problem. Some people need that, but most people it's it's just chronic issues that need to be managed and they need to be given hope. That's a very positive approach, actually. Um, and just for the record, so that everybody knows and understands, you are licensed as a medical doctor in the state of Arizona. I am licensed. <laughs> I actually have two I, licenses. <laughs> I can see it on your wall. I'll just tell the listeners it is right there. Yeah, and I have two of them. I have one in Arizona and one in California. We have to maintain a specific type of CME, which is continuing medical educations every year. I have to have over 30 hours. Uh, 10, 11 of them have to be within naturopathic medicine. 10 of them have to be pharmacology. And then the rest could be whatever you, what you want to do in medicine. Obviously, it has to be uh, an accredited medical education. I also pay for the license. I have a DEA license as well, so I can prescribe um, certain kinds of scheduled drugs. In the state of Arizona, it's uh, three and below with the exception of a couple narcotics, but I don't really recommend narcotics because I have so many other types of natural pain control uh, with acupuncture and herbal medicine and things like that. So I just don't really go there. I just need, don't need to. <laughs> what do you think of acupuncture? I love it. I mean, we get an entire, the cool thing about SCNM versus other types of naturopathic medical programs is that they actually put acupuncture and traditional Chinese medicine in the curriculum. And in order for us to practice that, because other states don't have this option, unless they take a master's program outside of it, uh, we actually have to take an extra licensing board uh, exam when we do our licensing at the end of medical school in order to get licensed and to be able to practice acupuncture and as well as minor surgery, which is kind of like the removal of cysts and dermal and that kind of stuff. that's like very minor um, and pharmacology. So those are extra licensing things that are not all naturopathic doctors have, uh, but they have added them in for the doctors that actually have the, the training in it. So I love acupuncture. I think it's such a cool energetic medicine. It, it works. It's been proven to work for hundreds of years in the, the Asian and, and Chinese um, traditional types of, of medicine there, a tr uh, an acupuncturist is a doctor. There, that's not, there's no traditional actor, uh, acupuncturists in China. They're, they're all just doctors. And so the, the, the doctor that treat, or taught us at SCNM, um, he's actually from China and he moved to America. So we got some really amazing uh, fundamentals with that. And if you don't like the actual needle part, there's also herb. So they have all of their herbal traditional medicines, but I think it's important to use it. And I actually use it not just for the pain portion. I actually do acupuncture facials. 
um, not at the moment right now because we're doing virtual, but it's basically working on like the lines and the crow's feet by using stimulating the needles and like threading it through. It's such a cool thing. And it kind of stimulates the skin to be able to kind of look plump and anti-aging and stuff. So yeah, it's kind of a cool, cool side it, it much thing. Better than, much better than Botox. <laughs> Acupuncture actually changed my life. So I appreciate the fact that you guys practice it and that the naturopathic doctors can practice it. It it literally changed my life 20 four years ago. That's so I've been, I've been using acupuncture for 24 years. So I do it at home. I have little tattoos where all oh, the nice. needles go. My wife helps me and um, <laughs> it, it, uh, we practice it on a regular basis and uh, it helps my inflammation. It helps me relax and it, uh, it works. That's lovely. It works. I love to hear well, those stories. Along with herbs. I do a lot of herbs and so forth to help me manage my disease. So I appreciate that fact. Speaking of herbs, What's your opinion on CBD and medical marijuana? Oh, I love it. Uh, I think that it is so incredibly powerful, um, obviously for the medical reasons that we can recommend it in Arizona, which is 13 qualifying conditions. Uh, pain management is probably 80% of what we actually do. Um, but we can also recommend it for cancers and, and uh, MS and Alzheimer's and a few other bipolar, or not bipolar, I'm sorry, uh, PTSD. Uh, so it's incredibly, it's, it's so mind boggling how many receptors we have for the, the CBD receptor one and two, and how it interacts with so many different functions, everything from insomnia, anxiety, pain, muscle spasms, uh, just so many things that we don't know. And it increases our immune system. Uh, so I'm going to go a little bit on a rant because I like to teach people because they don't Please really do. know too much about CBD. There's three different kinds of CBD out there. And the reason I like to go on a rant is because I am frustrated with people who do these swindling circle K Walmart target. Like it's don't, <laughs> I, I don't want to degrade the companies that they have, but they tend to be private labeled. They tend to be very low quality and it tends to be really expensive for what it is. So quick education on CBD. There's two different types of plants and the cannabis sativa, which is the uh, basically the, the overseeing genus of these plants. Uh, there is the marijuana plant and there's the hemp plant. Hemp, even though they're both of a cannabis sativa, hemp only produces only 0.3% THC in it. That's the top amount it could do. That's why we use it a lot for like fibers, textiles, medicines. Um, it's a kind of a shorter, bushier plant, bigger leaves, uh, but it, it doesn't produce as much THC. So we use it to make shoes. We use it to make the actual CBD products, um, cloth, clothes, that kind of stuff. But the marijuana plant, now that plant is tall. It's got like kind of shorter leaves, lots of flowering. Basically what it does is it has a THC between 5% and 35%. So that's the one that we use for the medical marijuana. CBD is where 90% of the medicinal properties in the plant lies for both, both species. Um, not both species, but both varieties of the same species. So that being said, that's where you would really want for people who don't particularly want to get the alterations of using marijuana, but also want to use the uh, the healing properties of the CBD, I recommend doing those CBD products. Now, there's three different types of variations of CBD products. There's basically um, full spectrum, broad spectrum, and isolate. Full spectrum is taking the entire hemp plant, grinding it all up, and then just putting it into either an oil or a rub or what have you. It has all of them. There are three different um, uh, constituents in, in marijuana and in CBD, and that's going to be your CBD, your THC, and your terpenes. Terpenes are kind of like essential oils. 
but for the marijuana plant. It's these smell properties. They smell like pine. They smell like lemon. They smell like um, any kind of mixture between the two. They've found to have certain uh, medical benefits by having the different characteristics of these different uh, um, terpenes. So just like terpenes are brought in. No, no, it's just part of the smell profile of the plant. So it's kind of like lavender and how it makes you relax or lemon balm. It makes you feel euphoric and less depressed. Very similar for the marijuana plants. So the terpenes are a big, a big portion of it. So the broad spectrum is the uh, CBD and the terpenes, but no THC. So they, they, they get that rid of that. And then the isolate is just CBD by itself. So that one, a lot of people use the isolate or like cops or truck drivers. They can't have any kind of THC in any of their system. That being said, the CBD, the terpenes, and the, the THC have an entourage effect, which means they function better together than they function separately. So when you have a, an isolate, you have to use more of the product because of the fact that you aren't having a little bit of that activation with the THC in it. Now, 0.2% THC, is it going to alter you? It might if you're very, very, very sensitive to medications, but I actually haven't seen it even in those people. Uh, so it just activates the CBD. It makes it work a little bit better. You can use less of it. Uh, so I tend to tell people who are okay with having a little bit of, of THC in their system. They might not, but if they're a little overweight, it stains in your, your fat cells that you can test dirty on a, on a test. But if you are not in that category, say you're retired or you know your job is okay with it or what have you, um, then that is the, the portion I would go to. But there's some really cool companies who make broad spectrum where they actually tailor the type of terpenes with the CBD. So you can get really cool benefits if they're like, oh, we isolated just the limonene and the linalol with the CBD. And now it has that anti-depression kind of portion of it because it's very euphoric and uplifting. And then you have all the relaxation and the anti-inflammatory and the helps with the insomnia and the anxiety with the CBD by itself. So I'm very passionate about CBD products because That's interesting. They, yeah. they work so, so well. Well, then, you know, in, in, in giving me that explanation, giving us that explanation, I think it helps everybody to understand the connotations against it. As we spoke earlier, I'm a retired law enforcement officer, so my connotations around marijuana in general were always of a different nature. Although mm-hmm. my, and I'm not giving away any secrets because everybody knows that they do, but my kids use CBD oil because they they have some, um, they have, I have to be very careful how I say this. <laughs> they are managing their health in certain areas of their life with CBD. Mm-hmm. And they've been trying to get me to to try the CBD for my rheumatoid arthritis. I've tried it once or twice. It helped lower my CRP, which yes. is the C-reactive protein. Yes. So um, all that inflammation, it's making a, a big difference. But what I was worried about in the difference with with uh, with mine, for example, was um, I I don't I don't take any narcotics whatsoever. Even when I got my surgeries, they put me under. Obviously, they had to put me under in that regard. But when they came in afterwards and tried to give me the Vicodin, the typical protocol, we're coming in every two hours and give you Vicodin. You got to stay ahead of the pain. You got to stay ahead of the pain. I kept saying, no, I don't want that. Wow. I had to get approval from my surgeon in order to not have it. So because I, I meditate and my wife came in with the acupuncture needles and some other things to help me to manage that. And when I came home, I wasn't on any Vicodin or anything when I came home. That's really impressive. I Thank you. I do not believe in narcotics, not just because of my previous profession. I just don't like the way they make me feel. I don't like the um, loss of control and, you know, this kind of a thing. So in regard to CBD, the THC, 
this is going to, a question I think that you can help us understand. You kind of partially did. That's not necessarily going to affect somebody that way, correct? Correct. Yeah. So it, it's the legal limit because it doesn't alter people. And when I say it doesn't alter people, it doesn't alter the majority of people. Um, I still haven't seen somebody really get altered. They just relax. You know, for anxiety, for instance, instead of having your shoulders up to your ears, it brings it down. It just kind of relaxes everything, even including like muscles, That's which is why it's so great for pain, because it relaxes the tension that you have. It relaxes the mind from racing. Uh, a lot of people use it for anxiety because it, it's so effective, but it doesn't take, it takes you out of the attack, like the panic attack, the anxiety kind of portion of it, but it doesn't make you feel like you're now drunk or high. You're just kind of calm, which is something that I feel like isn't really an option in medicine. It's like you don't get the option when you take an anti-anxiety drug, you are now pretty much high, <laughs> even though all you really wanted to was to get out of that state, but it kind of pushes you too far. That's what I really love about another thing about naturopathic medicine is it's not an all or nothing. It, there's there's a you can kind of dose up and be able to see where your sweet spot is. It does take a little more work because it isn't just like a pill fixes it, which is our society these days, um, which I hope to change because I think that people need to know if you're going to do something, the consequences of doing something that's going to be a quick fix versus something that's just going to be changing over time, which in the long run is going to help you with your health. Um, but yes, with the CBD that's even full spectrum, you should not feel altered at all. You should just feel nice and relaxed and calm, uh, but not that you can't go out and drive a car or anything else. What's the difference between that and uh, medical marijuana? So because the medical, mar medical marijuana plant is between 5% and 35% THC, even the lowest dose of medical marijuana is going to be altering you. So it's not going to give you that, uh, that relaxation effect unless you microdose. Now, to do medical marijuana, obviously, you need to be a patient in the state of Arizona. They have two-year licenses now. So whoever's listening, if you are in the state of Arizona and you would like to get your medical marijuana um, certification, I would definitely recommend it, mostly because if you're using it and you don't have it, it is a felony. So just so you know, <laughs> that's the thing. Um, but it gives you so much more free range of being able to manage your pain and your symptoms to be able to have that have, be able to go to the dispensaries because you can do micro dosing, which is like less than one milligram of THC, which is similar to the CBD, but you can get that higher CBD THC range that I've seen it all the way up to like 14 to one, 14 part CBD to one part THC, uh, some strains like that. And there's so many different delivery methods that you can get at dispensaries everywhere from like um, mints to sublinguals, to tinctures, to topicals, to um, edibles, to uh, obviously any kind of flower that you particularly would like or concentrates. I still don't recommend vaping. It causes incredibly uh, irreversible lung damage. So I don't, I don't recommend it, but there's so many different forms that you can, you can manage your pain with. Um, so that's that kind of the difference. I'm sorry. When, the, when you said medical certification, that means that's basically medical, uh, medical marijuana card. Yes, correct. What yes. people so refer to as a medical marijuana card. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The lay, the lay term. Basically, you just go into a doctor and they do a, a pain evaluation or if you have records for any other, other kind of con, uh, um, condition, because there's, like I said, there's 13 different qualifying conditions. Uh, then they look over your records and they basically sign off that you would be able to utilize it uh, for whatever condition that you have. They can't recommend specific strains. They can't re recommend specific delivery methods. All they can do is basically educate you on the process. So um, I highly recommend it. Do you have to have a medical card for um, CBD? 
No, you do not. So the the one that 0.3% hemp, um, 0.3% THC in the full spectrum hemp, I should say, that one is you don't need a card for. You can just go into any one. But that's why I'm concerned about the Walmarts, the Targets, that kind of stuff because I don't think they have the full spectrum. I think it's always like an isolate because of the way that they have to sell it. But I highly recommend uh, a good tip for everybody who's listening when it comes to the CBD is that if you scan the barcode on the CBD label, then it will should pop you up to their website of where they did all their testing. If you scan the label and nothing pops up, then I would not buy the product because it means that the product is a private label product and the company that's selling it basically slapped the label and you have no idea what the quality is. There's two problems that I see people have issues with CBD. One, it's a crap product. Like I just said, they don't have what it says on the label as the actual dosing for it. So, you know, it's like taking a hundred milligrams of vitamin C for a cold. Like you need to be taking in the grams in the one to 3000 gram ratio. So if you end up buying something for a low price, it's because it's usually low milligrams. So that becomes a problem because you don't know what's actually in the product. It might be have a lot of fillers. It might have stuff that you just don't really need. Uh, the other problem that I see is that people underdose. So people tell them to take like one or two drops and it's like two milligrams, but some people need up to 20. Some people need up to 30. My RA patients, they need sometimes a hundred milligrams per a dose, which can be like half of one of those bottles. Uh, that's why they need a higher portions of it, but it controls their symptoms so well. It, you might as well be investing in that supplementation for your pain or whatever your condition is uh, that'll kind of reduce that inflammation so that you cannot have to use medications that have side effects like pregnisone and methotrexate and all the other immune biologics. I mean, make sure that everything is good with your doctor, please. <laughs> this is not medical advice. But that being said, that is an option if you want to integrate that into your protocols. Yeah, and from a personal perspective, I can tell you that I had a severe rea reaction to Humira, and Humira caused me to have uh, rheumatoid cachexia, and it took Ooh. me from 165 pounds to 100. Oh, my goodness. And it was determined because it was the Humira. So I had to come off of that, and um, that put me on my journey to just being a more holistic and natural approach to my disease management, actually. I can attest to that fact. What other kind of uh, things do you specialize in at your practice? Yeah, so I actually specialize in the things that I've had to to go through myself for the most part. Um, I It kind of seems like a little bit disjointed, but I specialize in gut health, hormone health, and skincare. Um, I, I just have a love for skincare, so I definitely have, have curated that portion of it, but they all work together. So my personal story is I struggled with SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, which is a functional gut disorder. It's not an autoimmune condition, so it can be fixed, but I acquired it in medical school and I've been dealing with it for the last four years. And just this last, in January, when all this stuff, crazy stuff happened in the world, uh, I decided to, to fix it for good. And I was able to actually put myself into remittance so that I'm actually putting things back into my diet. Uh, what happens is basically the small, the, the bacteria that's supposed to be in the billions in your, in your colon overgrows into your small intestine. That's not supposed to be there. You're only supposed to have a couple million there and you're supposed to have within the billions in your large intestine. And so when you have bugs in the wrong area, when the bugs start breaking down the food, it starts fermenting. So then you start having gas bubbles in the small intestine where it's not supposed to be. And it's incredibly painful because the it's obviously smaller, but also the lumen gets really distended and it causes a lot of bloating, pain, gas. This happens after every meal. 
because some foods that you're eating have higher fermentability processing than the particular um, non-fermentable foods. But the thing is, is we don't eat one thing at a time. I don't just eat an apple and just eat a piece of chicken. There's always like some kind of garlic powder, onion powder, something like that gluten that's causing those irritations. And so uh, you have to kill the bugs in the wrong place, rebuild the bugs in the right place, and continue to eat kind of a normal, healthy diet while you're trying to, to <laughs> fix this whole thing. And you have to heal the gut. So I've been on this journey. I've actually made a, a, a wonderful protocol that I am wholeheartedly against that uh, we can uh, basically utilize to be able to help people. So that's what I do with SIBO and gut stuff, IBS, that kind of thing. And then um, the hormone picture. I had horrible, horrible hormones when it comes to to med school. And so I had to fix mine. And so now I just, I love treating people with hormone dysfunction issues. So yeah, with SIBO, basically it's trying to kill bugs in the wrong place and try to put bugs right in the right place and, and heal the gut. So I definitely, uh, I, I, I learned how to treat it myself so that I can help others uh, because it's a very difficult thing to treat. And it kind of launched this whole gut healing thing, which is incredibly important. That mind gut connection is another thing that, that you might be interested in. Uh, just learning that how much your mind controls your GI. That's kind of like the IBS kind of thing, which in my personal, I have my own personal opinions when it comes to IBS because it's kind of a catch-all, you know, it's kind of like a, we don't know what's wrong with you. So we're just going to put it under this umbrella. A lot of times it has to do with leaky gut. Um, and then I also specialize in hormones because I've had my own hormonal issues. And so I've been able to, to rebuild that and it just changes people's lives. And I just love being a part of that portion of it. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's better, I think, from a perspective of me or somebody else coming in as a patient to you, that you uh, come from a personal experience. Because you not only understand, you can empathize with what they're going through and then help to, them to overcome it because you understand it from that perspective. Mm -hmm. And then being able to, to address things that I think a lot of other people that didn't go through it wouldn't know. So exactly. for instance, I'm, I'm actually writing a cookbook right now uh, for basically a, a two-week survival guide for, for transitioning into low FODMAP diets. So it's kind of a, um, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, ideas, because it's such a different type of diet that you have to follow in order to kind of fix and heal your gut. And a lot of people just flounder, including myself. Like I, I didn't know how to do it. I think I ate like chicken and rice for like a week with some soy sauce because like I knew I couldn't eat anything else. Um, so I have actually an entire YouTube video on low FODMAP and what it is and how it's different. And, uh, it's kind of complicated, but I figured writing a cookbook for somebody would be the best thing because then they would know my personal experience and how to kind of start doing that, especially if I'm going to be treating people who have SIBO anyway. Uh, and if you don't mind, maybe you can give me a link to that and I'll put it in the show notes so people can yeah. go check it out. Yeah. Um, I can give you a link to my whole channel. I've got a whole bunch of kind of information on there. I even do a cooking show so that I can do low FODMAP recipes because uh, oh, I, I struggle with it. <laughs> well, it just shows that you practice what you preach. I try. <laughs> yeah, which is a good thing because I know some doctors that don't practice what they preach. It's like, do as I say, not as I do. Exactly. You know, it's like the old movies where you see the guy coming in and the doctor's got a cigarette hanging from his mouth <laughs> and he's saying, you got to quit smoking. And, but he's got one in his mouth. And he's, you know, it's like crazy. Um. So, but that's not the only thing you treat, correct? You treat, you treat everything. 
Yeah, yes, absolutely. And that's the thing. It's kind of like marketing to people to kind of find their pain points. But in the end, it all kind of comes down to the same thing. In order to, there's specific kinds of diets, there's specific kinds of supplements that we can recommend for each particular one. But fundamental medicine, which is basically trying to treat everything from the ground up, changing your sleeping habits, changing the, the timing and the frequency of what you eat, making sure that you get plenty of water. These things that a lot of people are like, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't, you know, I already know that. It's like, I understand that you understand the concepts of why they might be healthy, but it's time to implement them if you want to actually make serious change in your life. You can't just take a supplement, like I said, the green allopathy. You can't just take an herb. You can't just do one portion of it if you don't fix the underlining problem. You're just never going to make headway and then you're going to get frustrated with it. So the best thing to do is to make small health choices. Don't feel overwhelmed with changing everything about your life. It's not about changing all the things in your diet, and quitting caffeine, and quitting smoking, and you know, changing out your entire work history just so that you can do it. That's too much and you'll get overwhelmed and you can't fix it. So what you have to do is you have to find that common ground, meet the patient where they're at. Let them know, like, let this week, let's just try to increase more water in your schedule. Let's let, this time, let's just add in, you know, more fiber into your diet. Um, while people feel like they're not getting possibly the care that they need to because they want to fix everything at once, the point is, is that we're your health partners. We, we're a primary care provider. We're a provider for your health, and we're going to provide you our medical advice in the timing that you need it, so that you can attain your goals. And not just come out of there with 15 different supplements. I need to change my entire life. And you do nothing of it because you just feel so overwhelmed. So we try to work with you in the timing that you need it. So tell me about your practice and how somebody can get more involved in, in maybe um, joining you as a health partner from a patient perspective. Yeah, absolutely. We are a, a virtual practice. A, a coworker of mine, well, actually, it was a peer who graduated one year ahead of me. He made a website called Indie Consult Live. And basically what it is, is a telehealth practice where we have multiple naturopathic doctors from all over the country practicing. They all have different licensing in different states. Personally, I have an, a license in Arizona and California, which means that I can cure, diagnose, treat patients based on that scope of practice in those two states. That being said, I can see people from across the United States. I just have a very limited scope of what I can do. We can work under something called health coaching, which is that I can educate you about your condition. I can educate you more about supplements, diets, lifestyles that would help you with your condition. I can't technically diagnose. I can't technically treat and I can't technically order labs. But what I can do is I can educate you on which ones that would be helpful for your complaints so that you can advocate for your health, ask your primary care provider, maybe go through commercial labs, and we can still work on your health goals. It's just that we have to be a little bit more savvy and a little bit more working within the scope of, of the law to be able to help you with that. So that being said, I do have patients across the United States in different states. We just have to work a little bit more creatively to be able to, to do that. But um, the way the practice works is that you would be scheduling a consult to be able to see if I can even help you with your concern. And we uh, would basically chat for about 15 minutes or so. You know, and we'd, I'd recommend what we want to go farther, if I could help you, if I need to refer you to somewhere else. And then from there, we would do a full intake, which would take an entire hour. I would listen to every concern you possibly would have, including gut health, including skin health, and every other thing that you could throw at me. I like really complicated cases. so. I'm down for trying to figure it all out and figure out which one helps you the best. 
And then uh, from there, we would figure out how to get you labs or whatever we need to do to be able to, to help someone else diagnose if you're in a different state or if you're in my state, we would diagnose what you got going on. And then after that, we would do a follow-up just like a general, a general practice would have. Um, so that being said, that is one thing that I do in terms of the one-on-one. But I also do a lot of uh, free resources. I, I make YouTube videos that are both fun and educational. Um, I'm, I'm not your traditional naturopathic doctor. I'm not your traditional person who just kind of has the, the boring talking videos. I have like all kinds of content that's fun to watch. Um, and then I also have a TikTok that I do medical education videos on. And I am writing kind of courses in the future that'll really help people who possibly don't want to do the one-on-one with us, but want that value of learning more about their condition or maybe how to like heal the gut on their own or what have you. So that's coming in the future. Uh, But I also, I do a lot of kind of other fun stuff. I sell products on Amazon that are natural skincare products like uh, light therapy masks and gel under eye masks through the trademark Faithful Formulations. So I curated my own products and the fact that uh, I get to pick exactly what ingredients I like it to get to be able to get you the right thing. And I'm, I'm building out that brand too. So lots of different things. Very progressive, very progressive. I will have all of those links within my show notes so that people can have an easier way of getting in touch with you or finding your products and your YouTube videos. That's very interesting. I'm going to have to look at some of those myself, actually. Yeah, I have all of them kind of all on faithfuldoc.com. So it's, they're all connected in a certain way, and then they all have, have uh, links to each one of them, too. Outstanding. you have any words of wisdom? You know, I actually do. When it comes to your health, uh, I feel that people feel powerless, and I feel that people tell me a lot that they feel like they can't talk to their doctors. They feel like they don't have the right resources to be able to find what can particularly help them because the people that they trust in healthcare aren't doing their job and they're not being a a provider they are going to job they're going to their work and they're seeing you when they see you but that humanistic aspect of medicine is is pretty much removed these days in which you don't feel like when you go to your small town doctor you know oh hey how's it going jim how you doing you know how's the kids how's the life that kind of stuff that doesn't really happen anymore and i feel that people they feel like they are not taken care of as much. So when it comes to that perspective, and if you feel that way, that you are an advocate for your own health, you have to tell whoever it is that's providing care for you that it's not good enough and that I, I don't feel like you're helping me with my particular concern. And to ask for a different doctor, look for a different perspective, look for a different type of treatment method. There's a lot more options than, than you're given Uh, At first, if you're given a pill, if you're given a surgery, there are more options out there. And so I think that if you are willing to work on your health and you actually want to change how you feel about your body or what's going on with it, or you feel like there's got to be a different way, there is. And don't let doctors tell you that this is your only option. This is the only thing you can do because there's always other forms of it. Whether you want to call it alternative medicine, I call it integrative medicine. Some people call it traditional medicine. The point is, is that it combines the conventional world and it combines the traditional world to be able to meld into a treatment plan that works for you and your lifestyle. So don't let people tell you that you can't come back from whatever it is that you're, you're dealing with. Even if you have an autoimmune condition like RA, that 
that you feel like you only had options to do, you know, you found a different way. And so you can too. Those are excellent words of wisdom. I really appreciate that. Dr. Coase, thank you very much for this conversation today. You really educated me and I hope that we've educated others. Um, I've had a fantastic conversation. Thank you. Of course. Thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate having the ability to have a voice. Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website at beforeyougopodcast.com. That's beforeyougopodcast.com. Tell your story, share your expertise, contribute to the blog, and subscribe to the newsletter. You can find us as well as subscribe to the program and rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform. And one more thing before you go. Have a nice day, have a nice week, and thanks for listening. One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life podcast, is a creation of One More Thing Productions, established 2010, all rights reserved.